0: Why do we want to invite that? He says, why do we want to invite that as, as in regulators? Eric, we're not inviting them. They're coming, right? Like that's the thing that Sam should have said. Bro, you might want to live in a libertarian utopia. And I would too. Okay, as far as crypto goes. But bro, that's not the world we live in. They're coming. We're not inviting them. They're telling us we're going to crack down on you so you either give us some proposals and 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 uh wine and dine us like all the other industry do other industries do or we're going to crack down hard and we're not going to give a damn what you guys think about our regulations and if we kill your industry hey that's not our problem that's yours that's what Sam should have said but Sam didn't say it right like that's the response like we're not inviting them bro they're coming so we better be ready and if anything we better Move first before it's too late. Hey everybody, welcome to the Le Bread Podcast. Your host, David here. I'm doing a little solo episode this week. I uh, didn't have a guest, I have one next week coming up, but I uh, wanted to... Just react to a few things and talk about stuff that happened this week. It was obviously a pretty crazy week, so I figured I'll just I'll just go solo. You know, I never never really tried going solo. I wanted to try doing a solo podcast for a while, but I didn't. And then I said, "Why not? What, what's stopping you, kid?" So that's what we're doing today. Um, you know, this is a big week, I guess you could say, biggest week we've had in a while. Obviously, the headline stealer was Doge. Uh, ripped from like, I don't even know, I think it went from like eighty eight cents to $0.16, cents. like pretty much doubled, maybe a little over doubled at its peak, um, which is pretty nuts for, and it, and it happened in like a three, four day period, everyone went crazy, obviously you had all the Elon buying Twitter stuff, I made a whole video about Doge uh, with my, my secret conspiracy uh, about what his plans are for Doge, so if you didn't check that out, go to uh, our most recent video and we'll take a look at that. But what's more interesting is what that means for the markets more broadly, because obviously we had a lot of volume come in this week that we haven't had in a while. And you know, eth kind of quietly crept back up to over sixteen hundred. It's a little back below now at the time of recording. Um, but the the question for me is after this week, uh you know people come with lots of narratives when you have a week like this. Uh dog season is back and it was for like a couple days and you know played a few dog coins. Um and then people start talking with when E starts moving about this new deflation narrative which I do think is real. Um I just wonder if it's too soon. And and if people are attributing price movement right it's always the question of you know do narratives create price action or do narratives follow price action and I'm more in the camp of narratives tend to follow price action now they can be reflexive especially in a bull market meaning that once price action starts and a narrative picks up that that narrative then becomes the reason more buyers come in but it tends not to be the reason people start buying in the first place and that's kind of one of the hardest things about narrative trading and investing is you're trying to guess what is a likely narrative that could pick up, right? And that kind of gets into, like, um I remember reading a while back. This is like, probably a couple of years ago uh, about, like, this idea of, like, mimetic resonance, I think is, like, what this concept is called. I might be making that up. But essentially the idea was that certain things people kind of – naturally attached to more than they do others so like in crypto for example dog coins are like on a scale of one to ten of of one being no magnet mimetic resonance uh to 10 being massive Uh, dog coins are like a 10, right? Because obviously you had Doge itself and then you had tons of like Shiba's and a million other little copycats after Shiba. But it's like a clear thing that has been able to rocket multiple coins into the top 10 and then tons of other follow-on and it continues to like last. So dog coins is something that has a high level of memetic resonance. So then you ask yourself like, what else could have memetic resonance? What is something that could pick up? Another example would be Um, like Bitcoin being digital gold, right? Like That's a a classic one. Um, That's one that I feel like has probably died off a reasonable reasonable amount now considering that uh, both Bitcoin and gold are down quite a bit. But these are like the types of things. And so with ETH, you have this deflationary narrative now, right? And ETH has gone through many of its own Like narrative cycles you had originally like the the world computer or internet computer or whatever and then you had ultrasound money was kind of a thing people said last cycle and now you have this deflationary commodity token. I mean commodity is probably not the best word for it but I think – you could kind of call it like a commodity in the sense that it's like this thing that people will need in order to use the Ethereum network and that now with the deflation, people are going to be actively burning it over time and that creates this structural... If you listen to the last uh, podcast I did with Hal Press, uh, he was talking about how like ETH has this like structural flow now with ETH2 that it didn't have previously. Um, so all these things are interesting. I think it may be a tad soon though in my opinion to start hopping on the narrative wagon just because we had like a good week and a half uh, and it was a great week and a half honestly I, I enjoyed it because it w- it was a rough like honestly September and early October were like not not fun for trading altcoins so it was nice to have like a week or two of of fun but I don't want to get too excited just because you know made some money in the last two weeks that the bull market's back it's it's not back but the question is more like not so much is it back but are we kind of beginning the sideways bottom which is kind of how bottoms tend to form right is like you just trade sideways for a while um i don't know obviously you know my guess is is as good as anyone else's but i think that we probably do go back down i still lean bearish just because i think macro is still bad <laughs> i don't know how, how else to put it i think like the us is a different story i think the us will be okay but i still think that the the U.S. is going to be possibly making new lows. I don't want to say for sure, but possibly uh, on equities. But, yeah, I I think that, like, jumping to narratives too soon is always dangerous. But I will say this. If we see ETH hold above, like, 1500 for, I don't know, a few weeks. Obviously, we have midterms coming up. uh, Not next week, but the week after, the Tuesday after, uh, second Tuesday of November. And then we have FOMC meeting next week. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen this first week of November. So so we'll, we'll see. But if ETH can hold above 1500 say we're like mid-November and we're still there, that would be pretty promising. That would mean that we may have like a sustained structural flow, like people have been talking about with the deflation, that will create this ETH deflation narrative, which what you really, or want with any good narrative is FOMO and ETH deflation being like oh ETH ETH structurally can't go down obviously that's not true but if people believe that then that's that's a good FOMO catalyst for people to latch onto and create a narrative so I would watch these next couple of weeks see where ETH is at like mid November past you know the midterm potential rally or whatever we have um, there's also the possibility that this week the Fed comes in and uh, ruins everyone's day, which is a very, very real possibility. So we'll see. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold your breath here. I personally uh, took profits on most things on Friday, and uh, even this morning, I actually was in still a couple dog coin plays, and then closed all those up. So certainly manage your risk here. Don't get too excited just because uh, we had a good week, but. Other things to talk about. Um, I wanted to react to the uh, Sam from FTX SBF uh, versus Eric Voorhees debate that they had. I thought it was really interesting. It was about the – if people don't know, uh, Sam was working on a bill uh, to put through Congress in the United States about regulating both centralized exchanges and DeFi. And obviously a lot of people were upset because – um it was pretty harsh on DeFi, especially for Americans. It would make it that essentially anybody like an Ave, for example, and we'll get into the clip in a second, um, would have to basically be a broker-dealer licensed uh, entity in order to operate in the United States, uh, which kind of is very against the ethos of DeFi. And so they had a bit of a, a, a discussion about this. And I wanted to get into that. So I'm gonna actually don't grab my headphones. wanted to react to this real quick. One sec. Okay, I've got it up now. If you're listening to the audio, uh, you're not missing anything. It's just uh, I'm just listening to this clip. But there's I just wanted there's a uh, specific part here that I kind of wanted to talk about, because I'm going to have a little controversial take on this. I know a lot of people were taking Eric's side on this versus Sam, um, and I'm not totally on either side, but I think people are really quick to jump to the ideal, ideologue uh, stance that, that Eric has versus someone like Sam who is extremely pragmatic, and I, and I think I think Eric makes some really good points, and I think Sam probably does go too far, but I think the real answer is somewhere in the middle between these two, as is the case with most things, but anyways, let's, let's get into the clip here.
1: Um, certainly the biggest area of contention, both with my own response to Sam's post and with the crypto community at large, is what Sam was saying about DeFi, and I'll try to characterize Sam's position correctly here. Um, he was clear that at a protocol level, things need to remain open and immutable. Um, so that's good. What, where he, where he made the big mistake is in suggesting that interfaces for decentralized protocols, such as the front end website of something like Aave or Uniswap, um, should perhaps be regulated as a financial institution. That, that line cannot be crossed. That line should not be crossed. And and if we spend the rest of this discussion on this point alone, I think that would be valuable. Um, my my main ask of sam in these discussions is that however important it is to regulate centralized custodians or intermediaries correctly that the current bill the dccpa trying to do that and doing that well is understandable if regulations in this same bill get attached to how decentralized products i.e. non financial intermediaries are handled that is going to be a big mistake it's going to be done incorrectly it's going to be done poorly and it's going to harm america more than it harms the actual protocols themselves so if i if i have if I can make any request, it's simply to not include any concept of decentralized finance into a bill, which is centrally trying to govern well um, central controlling intermediaries.
0: So what he's referencing here is, like I said, that there's, like, there's back-end and front-end regulation. That's kind of what they argue about, like back-end being like the protocol itself, like Ethereum, right? I think they both agree that those should be completely decentralized and uncontrolled at the block level but what sam was arguing in his bill is that the front ends should be centralized or at least uh regulated where people would need a broker dealer license in order to operate them and that was uh eric's
2: big contention so i'll let sam respond respond here i think that's basically characterized right and i think i like one thing i did take a little bit of, and, and by the way I, I like i'm not sure you're wrong to be clear on, on this like i i i think it's a complicated question i i i don't fucking know what the right answer is i i'm and um I, I think that like uh i think you did characterize i think basically right um and i really appreciate that you sort of have put the thought into to, to make sure that, that you do that i don't think everyone does that on, on either side one thing that they do just want to note is like and i think you're not your first or your third but in your second description of what i think you you, you sort of said that um that you think it's important that decentralized applications not be regulated. and I think that they should be or something roughly like that and, and I think that your first and third versions did clarify roughly correctly what I think but I think the second version sort of blurred a little bit the lines between like a decentralized protocol and and well at the very least and for instance centrally who's it and um I and so I just want to clear like make it clear that like I do draw a distinction there um and, and then I think a lot of the discussion on Twitter failed to remember that distinction even if it was pointed out periodically. And so I wanna make sure that we keep that pretty clear and that we not sort of like drift back and forth about, you know, what we're what supposed to do. Um, I, so I don't know for sure what the right thing to do is here. I uh, do not think that we should be trying to hash out uh, a lot of DeFi regulation in GCCPA. I think for, you know, most of the reasons you said, this is like, first of all, a lot of this is just permissionless code. Um, and second of all, um, it's just a tricky area in general. And, and those are two recipes for on trying to just quickly cobble together a comprehensive regime for DeFi. Um, I think that the most important thing by far, and I could be, I'm interested if you disagree with this, but my instinct is that by far the most important thing is, or set of things, is the following: that um, protocols can be permissionless, that on-chain code can be permissionless. Um, uh, Sorry, the only reason I'm saying candy here is that that it's permissionless to write it, and obviously you could write on-chain code and put permissions in it. We shouldn't make that illegal, Um, but you know that that like you know. Um, that, that should be permissionless to write coding and, and, and you know, it can be permissionless. Um, and that, uh, uh, that like peer to peer transfers and payments, um, can be permissionless. Like, those are things that I think are like incredibly important and fundamental here. And I think that like, if those are violated, um, like, I think those are sort of the sacred things because if those get violated, I think it just breaks the whole thing. Like I, I, I it's like, and by the way, I think it's true, by the way, for central for or tried by two, if you try to say everything is permissioned. No one could go to a shopping mall anymore. Like you could not buy food. Like the world would just starve the next day. So, um, and, and I think that like the, the result of that would be to like effectively ban digital commerce and say that like the only unregulated commerce can be physical unregulated commerce. So, but anyway, I want to check if you agree, not with my statement that I think that they should be permissionless, but with my claim that that's the most important thing by far.
1: Yes, I think I agree with that. Cool. Um, it's, oh, I, I oh, take okay. a little issue with your point about uh, the current payment system not being permissionless, like, or being permissioned, like today, it is absolutely permissioned that, that oh. you can go with your credit card and buy something at the store is only because several intermediaries have your box ticked as approved, right? That is permissioned. And that can oh. be taken away from people for wrong think, or for anything that you know, some Orwellian government wants to do yeah. to them.
2: Oh, sorry, I think what why say is parts of it are permission and parts of it aren't. And I think it's totally arbitrary, which parts are and aren't. And I think that I agree with you on the present art, like, so you can go to a store, and you can pay a credit card or it's a dollar bill. And one of those is Intermediate Ca- in one.
1: Cash. Time. Yeah. Cash is, is yeah.
2: permissionless, right? That's yeah. the last bastion there. That That's right. And I think that like, and, and I do think that by the way, you, I think you're making a good point here, which is like, when you go to a store and you buy a bagel, it costs 2% to a payment processor. And that that's, if you're allowed to buy the bagel, right? That that's if, if you have connectivity, the financial services, now you can buy with cash either way, I guess, but cash is a pain. Um, And why does it cost 2%? I think a lot of that is because like, you're trying to get like gigantic companies to zoom in and say like, Alice wants to buy an everything bagel. Cucumber. What do we think about that? And it's like that's fucked. Like that that that. And like that's where that two percent is going. Effectively, right? That two percent is going because you're trying to mediate like that transaction. And 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 as you said, like not everyone has a credit card, and credit cards don't always work. And so that that two percent fee is the good case. That's the case where the payment does work. So um, I agree that like a lot of the, the fact that payments are, are are disrupted is because of this. Um, I and, and so anyway, given. taking as a given that that is the most important thing that that smart contracts that code that oh validators is another thing i should have thrown at that which i assume you agree with that it's very important that validators um, can be permissionless or else again you have like ten thousand random people running code to validate mathematical transactions and also think about everything bagels with onions at 7-eleven and alice which is insane um i but um i but anyway so on
0: i gotta say real quick sam needs to do some uh speech training is like he gives these long rambling answers, and like I get what he's saying. Like front end regulated, back end, or sorry, but yeah, yeah, back end not regulated. And like, anyways, anyways, Sam, let's let let's let's and let's, let's let's make these answers a little more concise, please. Okay, all right.
2: Maybe i also just just to clarify, I make it explicit a um website hosted in a centralized hosted on a centralized service by an American that targets financial products at American retail, back ending onto onto DeFi, but is non-custodial. And so it's not, it's not custody, which I'm guessing is, is maybe where you would be drawing this line here.
1: No, um, non-custodial. So let's use a specific example, like uh, a US hosted, US yep. owned front end for yep. Ave.
2: Yep. Which is to be clear in this case. U.S. hosted, U.S. owned, and offered to Americans. And sure. I, sorry, offered to Americans is a vague word. But like, I sort of want to say, like, isn't IP blocking the U.S. or something like that? And like, I don't know we, there's lots of interesting details here about that. But like, yeah, the, the question just, is,
1: should should an American yeah. need a license to right. offer a front end for a back end DeFi protocol like Aave?
2: Yeah, and, and, your and, and your blog
1: can, said right. yes.
2: And, and, and sorry, I just want to clarify and, and offer to Americans. Um,
1: Correct. So, yeah, two Americans.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um. So um, I. I want to sidestep for a second so we can get back to it. The question of whether I think if I were dictator, that should be required. Um
0: Sam would love to be dictator. That was that was a Freudian slip right there.
2: I uh, and rather answer a question of what policy should we be proposing and arguing for? And um my core thought here is the following, which is that I claim that. The most important thing here at the end of the day, the most important thing, um, is that smart contracts, validators, payments remain open and free. And that the most important thing is that that gets protected at all costs. And that because of that, like I am relatively willing to accept compromises if they preserve the things that I believe have the vast majority of the value for DeFi. Um, I, my best guess, my projection is let, let's just expand out 10 years from now um, and say, you know, what will empirically in expected value terms regulation look like um, for uh, DeFi in the United States for, with all these caveats again, Americans offering to Americans, blah, blah, blah. Um, if I had to guess, I would guess in expected value terms that looks worse than it does in a world in which it's like validators, small contracts, payments totally free, um, uh, but in which the centralized American hosted targeting Americans, um, of a GUI, um, requires a regular license or something like that. Like my projection is that that world is better than the expected value of what the world will be. Um, maybe I'll just pause for a second there and ask you, do you agree with that statement about the relative expected values?
1: I think the tendency of the regulators is to make the world a darker place, no matter what. Now it's up to non regulators. It's up to you, Sam. It's up to people in the industry to highlight the reasons, whether ethical, moral, legal why those people should not be imposing the controls that they want to impose. And I agree that the protocol being immutable is the most important thing, but I kind of feel like you're starting to compromise far too early. Just as in the same way that like, if we agree that the heart or the brain is the most important part of the body, we would not so readily surrender our arms and our legs to be chopped off just because the heart may be arguably more important, right? Like let's, let's keep the whole being here. Let's not
0: invite in. So to me, that was like the core uh line that Eric had that I think was the best metaphor right he said you know what did he say heart surgery or brain surgery I forget but anyways like hey you know I know just because I need my heart to function let's not start chopping off arms because I don't technically need them but like hey life is a lot worse if you don't have an arm right yes I did think he was strawmanning a little bit when he's saying, Oh, well, the only reason regulators exist is to make things worse. Uh, listen, I'm not gonna be the guy to go out and like defend regulators, but that's that's a very big straw man. I mean, like the reality is there are a ton of scams in this space, right? People lose their money all the time. It's it's not, a, it's not a secret. You have celebrities and athletes and influencers promoting these pump and dump scams and their followers don't know any better, right? And they buy these things and they lose all their money. So like, let's not pretend that there isn't like a real harm that has been done. Now, does that mean that it should be banned or like you're not allowed or anything like that? No, of course not. And like, I lean much more towards like, hey, let's pretty much leave DeFi alone. With a few things here and there, but I think that's a very big libertarian talking point. And like Eric is obviously like a libertarian that like oh the state shouldn't be involved in anything ever. Um, and I also just think that that's not realistic. And and really when you listen to this, what this comes down to is Eric is an ideologue. Eric is a I mean he's an OG Bitcoiner, right? Like he's been around I don't even know how long, but he's been around for a long time. Okay. And Sam is newer to crypto. Obviously, Sam's been around for a while too, but he's newer relative to Eric. And he came in more with like, I'm a trader. I'm here to make money. And yeah, like hopefully things turn out well for crypto. But like, I want to make money, right? Like, let's just be real. The thing is that I think they're both... Right. I think that Eric is right in saying, hey, just because we don't need our arm to live doesn't mean that we should just chop it off. But I think Sam is also right in this argument in saying that, hey, like you can be an ideologue all you want, but there's the reality that if you don't propose something to regulators, they will propose it for you. And I think that's the point that Sam was trying to make that he didn't really make that well. And I think a lot of people took Eric's side on this. And part of that is because Sam has kind of been painted as a villain recently, which, I mean, hey, I'm not going to argue with it. He's certainly a profit extractor, but let's be real. Most of us are here to extract profit, too. You know, if you could switch places with Sam, you would do it. Let's not act like we're all angels here, okay? I I think the problem is that, again, Eric is coming from, like, let's not give an inch. Let's force them to regulate us instead of, like, going to them with propositions. And I think, unfortunately, that's not going to work, right? I I think that Sam is more right in the sense that, hey, if you like, go in, because this is politics, right? We might not like politics in crypto very much. And we might be like very crypto anarchist, libertarian, whatever. But if you want the mass adoption, if you want to operate in the real world, you're gonna have to work with people that you don't necessarily want to work with. And you're gonna have to do some politicking. And I think that's what Sam is saying. And obviously Sam has been criticized for this for a while. Obviously, he donated like whatever, twenty five million to the Biden campaign. And I think uh there was something that just came out that he's donated like forty million for midterms or something, uh just for like in the last like I don't know, a few months or a year or whatever. Um, and Sam gets that like you know washington is all about relationships and cozying up to people and, and lobbying essentially right like every industry does this right you think that bankers aren't lobbying or any other name your bake industry isn't lobbying uh congress on how to craft these bills and regulations for their industry of course they are and sam is saying that it's foolish to just be like oh no we don't want to talk to you guys we're just going to we're going to do our own thing and you know cry wolf when You guys come and come after us. I don't know. I I, like again, like the idealist in me. Of course, I want to be with Eric and say yes. Give us this freedom. Let us do whatever we want. Let us trade our shit coins in peace. But like, there's also the reality of they have the power, right? They have the power to ruin all of this to end the party if they want to. And so, if you're given the choice of ending the party or you know, maybe having a drink limit. I'd rather have a drink limit, if if that's a good analogy, right? I I I think you get what I'm saying, and that's like the crux of this argument that these two guys are having. And I think Sam just didn't get that point across that well. Um, and again, this is part of like Sam, you need some you need some speech coaching. I'll, I'll I'll go on with you next time, Sam. Have me next to you, okay? All right, let's let Eric keep talking here.
1: Let's not invite in this kind of restriction. And if they force the restriction, then they'll force it. And history will be the judge of that. But let's not be the ones who invite that in upon ourselves.
2: So I totally hear you. I want to make an empirical claim, which it might be wrong. And if this claim is wrong, then I change my position on some of this. But my empirical claim is the following. Maybe I'll sort of like lay out my logic here. Step one, most important thing, validators, et cetera. Step two, I predict that in expected value terms, that compromise is better than what we will get. Maybe it'll be better, maybe it'll be worse, but like it's better than what we're expected to get because it preserves the most important thing. And I'm not 100% sure that that will be preserved. Um, I really hope it will be. Um, Step three, I I think we have to fight to make sure it gets preserved. I think that's the most important fight. Um, And and then step four, and I think this is an important and non-trivial stuff that I might be wrong about, but but which is very relevant for for my thinking on this, is my sense is that it is much more effective at getting what you want the most Um, if you come to the table um, with with a stance which is immediately recognized as willing to compromise and reasonable. And that that's I'm not yet making a statement about what matters or what the right thing to do is, but that like my 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 belief is that like if you come to the table in DC and ask for exactly everything that you want as your first ask in a very forceful way, you'll not get what you want. And that you will not be taken as seriously, and that the way to maximize the odds of getting what you want the most is to express a willingness to compromise on the things that are less important. That is my yes, belief that, in, my in principle. That's exactly it.
0: Like Sam is basically saying, without saying it, and he kind of, he tweeted this, I think he deleted the tweets where he kind of was a little snarky after the fact. I'm not sure if people saw it, where he basically uh, tweeted, because obviously he sees the reaction to, the, to this podcast and everybody was siding with Eric. And Sam said, okay, you guys have fun. You guys want to deal with the regulators? You go for it. He goes... And he said something snarky to Eric, like, you know, uh, let me know how all your connections in DC, uh, like, work out, right? Basically saying that you have none. And Sam is saying, I know how these people operate. If you come to the table saying I want an all-or-nothing approach and I'm not willing to compromise, that they're just gonna tell you to fuck off, right? It's like that simple. And Sam is saying we have to compromise with these people. You might not want to, but at the end of the day. This is the United States, right? They are the global empire, whether we admit it or not. They're incredibly powerful, and they're not just going to give up their their status of control over the financial industry that easily. And that's what Sam's trying to say without directly saying, because obviously he can't necessarily say that because, you know, his, uh, his, his pals in D.C. will see that. But that's, that's what he's saying. He's saying, these people will screw you if you don't compromise with them. So let's compromise with them so that our industry doesn't get screwed. Like th- That's what he's saying. And Eric is like, well, let's be idealist about this. And again, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I'm not totally with Sam. I think Sam went a little too far. But again, his point of saying, you have to propose something or they'll propose it for you. Like that's the ultimate point. So let's keep going.
1: Well, that's that's absolutely right. You're not wrong on that principle, but you're sacrificing far too much right. from, so our, from our position here. Um, let's be pragmatical, pragmatic for a second, forget all principles and everything. If DeFi front ends catering to Americans need to be licensed, DeFi in America dies, it dies. People will not use DeFi through licensed front ends because it will simply look like CFI. There will be no meaningful distinction. So that can't be s- sacrificed.
2: Well, I think I disagree with that, but I more strongly disagree with at least one of the things you said, even if I don't know which one, like, in other words, I don't know that you can simultaneously think what you just said. And also think that by far the most important thing is that validators, is, et cetera, remain permissionless. Like, cause what you're saying right now is you lose the whole thing. If you give up permissionless front ends and, um, but then you also said that you get most of the value if you have like permissionless backends, And so I think I'm now confused about which of those you think.
1: If you gate the way that people use DeFi, 99% of people use DeFi, which is through a GUI. If you gate that as a licensed financial institution, you have turned DeFi into TradFi.
2: And and, and so just to clarify then, like this ends up- of- I don't think that's necessarily true. I think
0: this is where Sam got caught. Um, and if he could go back, I'm sure Sam would have a better answer. I don't think that's necessarily true. I agree. I don't want you to have to have a license to run a DeFi front in the United States. I do not want that. I think that's a bad thing. But to say that DeFi is dead, if that were the case, even if the the uh, protocols themselves remain completely permissionless, I think is misleading. I think that's not true.
2: Something now is basically that, 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 that you think that like the front end is just about as important as the back end that like, you know, if yes, if you, for instance, had to like, like, if you got like 70 30 odds on like, which was permission and which was permissionless, you'd be kind of like, I'll just take whichever gives me the 70%. Like, I kind of think about equally important. Uh, it, like, is that kind of how you're thinking about this?
1: I'm thinking of this from the perspective of actually wanting the entire world to be able to use an open immutable financial system. And 99% of those people use GUIs. So if you if you gate the access to permissionless blockchains with GUIs that need financial regulation on them, um, we we failed. Like that's We, we end up with TradFi. I,
2: I feel confused about whether you agree with my statement. I okay. feel confused. Uh-
0: okay, but that's also not true because here's the thing. There's kind of like, when we talk about financial regulation, there's we should probably define it a little better. There's like multiple aspects to financial regulation, right? The core of it, the number one thing is the monetary supply control, right? I would argue that that is by far the most important thing. Um, and that's the thing that obviously, uh, you know, the U.S. will never give up willingly, right? They will never give up dollar hegemony willingly. Um, and so what Sam is saying that in the sense of like, let's use Ethereum, for example, that not having any governmental control whatsoever over Ethereum, the chain, is more important than the front end. And I you I think that's like impossible not to agree with. Because if you disagree with that, then you're saying, like, okay, well, we can have decentralized front ends, but like, oh, they can now control the supply of Ethereum. They can now choose which blocks are approved and not. Like the front end doesn't matter at that point, right? Because they can just do it at the at the at the blockchain level. So I think that is not true. I think Eric is being a little disingenuous here. Um, But with that said, like, yeah, obviously, you know, it sucks if you have to KYC to use DeFi. I don't want that. And I don't think most people want that. And I think it sucks if you have to, like, the compromise I would be willing to make, and I I think people are going to be upset with this maybe, but personally, the compromise I would be willing to make is, if you wanna run a DeFi operation in the United States, you do need a license, but the users do not have the KYC, right? Like that's the compromise I would be willing to make. And this is back to when I was saying the types of financial regulation. So type one is like the core of it, the, the, the monetary supply, the control of it, right? The block level, right? In in crypto terms. Uh, The other part of it is like the surveillance and monitoring and all that stuff, like like we didn't always have KYC and AML and all this stuff, right? Like you used to like he was saying before, like cash is kind of the last, the last bastion of freedom that you have in the traditional monetary system, and that's kind of dying out, Um, but. If you just use cash, like it's kind of a pain. But if you decide, like, I'm not using any credit cards or banks or whatever, I'm gonna keep money in my mat under my mattress and pay for everything in cash. You can totally do that. And yes, the government controls the monetary supply, but like they can't track what you're doing very easily at all. Um, so what I am saying is that like controlling the monetary supply and controlling the surveillance, let's call it, are kind of two separate things, and I think what Sam is saying, we should never give up the monetary supply controls part. But maybe we have to give a little flexibility on the surveillance part because ultimately they want to be able to make sure people are paying their taxes. They want to make sure there's no money laundering and illegal activities. And you can argue, oh, people use the dollar. I agree. I agree with all the arguments. I think that there's a ton of straw man arguments about how crypto is bad and cash is good and it's stupid. But ultimately, again, like you're dealing with people who have all the power and we have none. So you have to find the compromise somewhere. So like I think the ideal compromise, not ideal, but a good reasonable compromise is if you want to operate a DeFi protocol in the United States or I should say, I'm sorry, the front end, right, that you need a license. You do not have to get the information of all your customers, right? I think that's like a reasonable compromise because that prevents like the number one thing, which is people, scammers, running these things anonymously and stealing a bunch of people's money and getting away with it, right? Because if they have to have a license to do that, uh, then it's much harder to get away with that. But then it doesn't hurt the users who like now you're being tracked on every single thing you're doing. I think that's a reasonable compromise. And I think if that were the end goal, like Sam was saying, like 10 years from now, I think that's a reasonable place to be. Is it the most ideal? No. But is it better than like, oh no, you need KYC to use DeFi. Oh, and we're censoring blocks uh, at the block level. No, like that's that's a terrible outcome. And Sam is basically saying, I'm trying to avoid that here. And, and anyways, I think
2: I made my point. So we'll keep going. Sorry, I think we're... I'm not trying to, I know what you think the best case is here. I know what you think the worst case is here. I what I'm trying to say is like, is an intermediate case closer to the worst case or the best case? Like, if you this have a case- This is the
1: intermediate case. My, my best case is that governments leave free sovereign individuals alone to interact economically as they will, like the country was supposed to be founded on. But that is a radical notion that no one in Washington accepts anymore, granted.
2: Sure. So, sorry. So, if you take, sorry, of the following three cases, uh, granted that there are many cases beyond- these three, um, but of the following cases: case one, um, I all of DeFi and things related to DeFi are unregulated. Case two, back end unregulated, front end centralized, front end regulated. Case three, back end regulated, centralized front end regulated. Um, do you think case two is closer to case one or case three?
1: I think it's closer to case three.
2: Got it. So you think that basically, like, if anything here requires oversight, that 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 you've lost most of the value.
1: I think we need to move the conversation up a level and acknowledge that the oversight in DeFi already exists, and it's done by immutable code that operates perfectly as written. Uh, It it has oversight.
2: Sorry, I I I agree. Oversight from a human-based financial regulator in the government.
1: Why do we want to invite that?
2: I'm not making an argument about whether I think it's good or bad. What I'm saying is, and, and maybe you dispute that we have to choose because maybe you think that, like, it is fairly likely that we end up in a world in which there is no regula- no human regulatory oversight of anything related to DeFi. And if you think that, that's, that's an interesting belief, which is not my belief, but which, like, would be very interesting if you thought it was true. Um,
0: there's already, there's, okay, again, this is where, oh, man, this sucks. I think Sam, oh, man, Sam should, like. I don't know. They should do this again. Because what Sam should have said there, because let's listen back. What Eric said there, that was a little like, come on, bro. Hold on. Why do we want to invite that? He says, why do we want to invite that As, as in regulators? Eric, we're not inviting them. They're coming. Right. Like, that's the thing that Sam should have said, bro, you might want to live in a libertarian utopia. And I would, too. Okay, as far as crypto goes. But, bro, that's not the world we live in. Okay, if you want to leave the United States and live on some island somewhere, which, to be fair, you know, Sam kind of did with the Bahamas. But that's that's a different point. Uh, They're coming. We're not inviting them. They're telling us we're going to crack down on you. So you either give us some proposals and 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 uh, wine and dine us like all the other industry do, other industries do, or we're gonna crack down hard and we're not gonna give a damn what you guys think about our regulations. And if we kill your industry, hey, that's not our problem. That's yours. That's what Sam should have said, but Sam didn't say it. Right? Like that's the response. Like we're not inviting them, bro. They're coming. So we better be ready. And if anything, we better move first before it's too late
2: that's what sam should have said we end up in a world in which there is no regular no, which is not
1: a human oversight over these things fraud is already illegal theft is already illegal right it doesn't matter if i do it through a DeFi smart contract if i steal from someone that's regulated
2: already sorry right? uh, i i sorry i hear you okay I, I feel like we're being a bit pedantic here but i i, I will go with the flow and i will like add a lot of words to the sentence, but I think you know what I'm trying to ask. And I'd appreciate it if you asked the question, you know what I'm trying to ask.
0: So. You can see Sam is like clearly frustrated that Eric is like being so idealist, but he just doesn't have like a good
2: response. Is your belief that if any part of the flow by which many people currently access DeFi, in which you go to a hu- American human hosted website, aimed at Americans, hosted on AWS, paid for with a credit card, that then backends onto Aave in a, um, a non-custodial way, that if any part of that requires an explicit license from a government financial, from a government financial regulator, that, that already means we're close to the worst case in absolute value. And that like, it's not worth that much to, um, talk about which parts of it do and don't require a license because if, if any of them do, it's already like, uh, sort of like you've already lost the, 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 basically the whole war is that roughly what you think? Yes.
1: I think if that is the outcome, then none of us should be proud of anything that we've been doing to build this whole industry. The entire point, the entire point of this is open permissionless finance. And when we say that it is not just a slogan, it is the entire point. And if you exclude 99% of people from open permissionless finance, then all you've done is make a more complicated, more expensive tradfi system. Right. that's, that's not acceptable to me. And I think to most of the people that, that care about why we're doing this in the first place.
2: I think I disagree with your last statement about exactly how it's suits so acceptable to and not although maybe i also think i maybe it would be if it was phrase the way you phrase it um but but um i but okay i think i think i now understand your view here um and, and your view here. Tell, tell me if this is right or wrong but my understanding now of your view here roughly speaking is that um and i think i understand why my previous question didn't get at this and I, I, sorry for that i now think your view is roughly speaking um uh that if anything in this process requires a financial license, um, then that means that the people, so to speak, won't be able to access it, and that means we've already lost. And that yes,
1: just like- just as just as if we were having this discussion 25 years ago when the web was being created, and we were taking these same positions, and you were asking me if any part of the web stack that lets someone log onto a web browser and access something as powerful as the entire tome of human knowledge, like Wikipedia. If any part of that required a license, would we have lost the battle? Yes. Yes. The web would not be the beautiful thing that it is today. The reason that it is so special, the reason that it is so innovative, the reason it's so dynamic is because people do not need permission to access the web, to read to it, to write to it. And it's amazing that that has, has lasted. And anyone who researches the history of the web knows that these very same battles and discussions and debates happened back in the nineties. It would be the height of irony if crypto entrepreneurs then gave up that very same argument 25 years later. And allowed finance itself which is no more dangerous than information to become a permission system
2: um so I okay I hear you um I, I I hear your point here and
0: um okay one crucial thing though is he is talking about there's two conversations there's the user and there's the operator and I think what Sam is more saying is that the operators are likely going to have to have some type of regulation, right? This is going to happen whether we like it or not. So it's just a matter of how do we craft that regulation so that it's the best possible outcome or in his as he said, like the, the most high EV outcome, right? What Eric is saying is that like users shouldn't need a license to access DeFi, I agree. I completely agree, but I think we need to really differentiate these two things, right? In the same way that like users on the internet and companies on the internet are like—it's just very different things. So I think we should make that distinction. Uh, let's keep going.
2: I have a lot of empathy for it. I think it's like, um, uh, I, I, I think that there is a totally plausible argument to be made here, which you're making that. That, yeah, that like any amount of, um, uh, if anywhere in this process were requiring a license, then in practice, the, the is basically in practice, no one's gonna be able to access it. And that in like, In practice,
1: it's no longer an open financial system. You've lost that. So if you're okay with losing that, if you're okay with having a closed permission financial system, then, then we see
2: things very differently. So I guess I don't see things in binary. Like, I guess what do I, do I would, okay. That's the point, right?
0: Sam said it. I don't see things in binary. And Eric says, neither do I. But you do because all the arguments you're making are binary. You're saying if there's any form of permissions in this, anywhere in the stack, that it's no longer like we we've fa- we failed, right? That's what he says. We failed as an industry. Again, ideally, yes, I want an open, permissioned, anybody can use it system of course, but there's the practicality of the world we live in. And it's like, I I don't know why Sam isn't saying this. It's very frustrating. It's like, yeah, but that's not possible, right? That's not going to happen. Not so long as we live under this current political regime, whatever you want to call it, right? It's not going to happen. So like, if that's off the table, if the binary outcome of purely decentralized or when a hundred percent regulated like obviously that's the worst case scenario but the pure option is off the table what's the highest ev is what he said right or the best possible outcome next to that right and that's where i think again like it's frustrating that sam didn't more clearly just like respond like this
2: that felt like a very binary statement
0: it's a statement of a line
1: it's a statement that if we cross this line, we've lost permissionlessness, which is the entire point.
2: But I don't think permissionlessness is binary. Like I, I I think that there are shades of gray here and that you're sort of sweeping that a little bit under the rug. And that like the real answer is that like I think there are costs to, to, to losing this line. Um but I also think that like that doesn't mean that you've lost everything. Like, like I I think that like in particular, sorry, maybe maybe you more explicit here. I think that if you end up in a position where um I like 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 where like um like if you end up in a position where it's licensed to deploy a smart contract or to interact with a smart contract with code, that puts a gear in the works that is very difficult to overcome. Like I think then you just get like like on-chain stuff just doesn't work. Like it's just me, like you can no longer allure- yeah, so we agree on that statement. Um and so so on that side I, th- I think i think i feel maybe somewhat similarly to your, your your sort of sense of like you know that sort of like 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 i it's very difficult to find ways to mess with that that don't um that don't break the whole thing i think i don't feel nearly as strongly about the thing i said so i, I think that like if what you're saying is that an american hosted gui even an american retail hosted in a centralized way on a centralized cloud server requires some sort of financial licensure I don't think that that basically breaks defi. Like and, and and I think there are a lot of reasons that I don't think it does. Um I think that like um I like like I think that like you know thinking through like like okay like what impact does that actually have like well you know I, I guess like
1: I mean I, I can I can make this very practical. If a yeah. company if a company needs to be licensed and do KYC to operate its American front end for Aave, yeah. That company now has a compliance program. That company has registered in a certain jurisdiction. That company is now taking personally identifiable information from millions of users and storing it. There is nothing decentralized about that model. That is a centralized model that is endangering people with custodianship.
2: That is TradFi. That is not DeFi. So I think, sorry, that model, meaning that company, but some other parts of this stack are still definitely decentralized. Um, Not everyone's gonna be accessing it through that protocol. So if nothing else, I think like, you know, it's, um, I, like other smart contracts aren't going to be accessing it through that portal, for instance. Like that's a big deal. I think that like you can still have things just building on each other in every direction, which is super cool. I think other countries can have different regimes, which is super important. I think that like Americans can still freely contribute IP and, and and products. Um, And on top of all of that, I, I don't even agree that that company is definitely taking PII. Like I, I think that like many of them will be. But like I think I could do.
0: When he says PII there, he means like personal information. And I agree, right? You can have companies need a license to operate without also so that you're saying, hey, if you want to operate, right, and you want to like essentially have access to people's money, then we need to know who you are because we don't want you running off with it and scamming people. I think that's not like the craziest ask, right? Like, I mean if you want to register a company today, right? If anybody who has a LLC or anything, you're like, yeah, you need to give your information to the government. Okay. That that's that's how it works. Now again If you want to live in an anarchist libertarian state, that's fine. But that's not the world we live in. So saying like – like I'll give an example. uh, Pre-2008, the laws around hedge funds were – or any type of like fund were, were, were much more lax than they are now, right? Now hedge funds have to disclose quarterly all of their holdings. Right, to their investors and to the public so you can go and, and like see this. There's public databases. You have to disclose all of this. right? Prior to 2008, you didn't have to do that. And then what happened in 2008 that caused that? Well, you had guys like Bernie Madoff take advantage and run these complete Ponzi schemes that cost a ton of people money because he was lying about the things he owned right? and the money he was managing. It was just like a black, a black box and nobody could see inside of it. And now... That's not the case. If you run a hedge fund in the United States, you have to say quarterly, like what you bought and sold or what are you invested, in, whatever, right? You have to disclose those things. Um, I think that's reasonable, right? If you're managing other people's money to have some form of disclosure of what you're doing with that money, that doesn't mean that like, and I don't think anyone in the hedge fund industry is like really upset with that, right? I mean, there might be a little bit, but like, hey, it also helps your industry in the terms of like your customers are much more... Uh, okay with trusting you with their money because they're like, okay, well, at least I can see this and there's more transparency, so I'm probably not going to get scammed or the, the odds of me getting scammed are lower. And so I think saying that you need a license in the United States to operate a front end of a DeFi protocol is not a crazy thing. That doesn't mean that you also have to collect personal information and KYC and all that of all your users I think those are two different things and Eric again kind of just assumes those are together and that's fair I'm not saying that regulators aren't going to try to get that I think what Sam is saying like if we come to the table with a compromise and saying hey we are willing to compromise on like okay you need a license to operate but you don't need a license or like personal information to use it that's like a decent outcome and that and that's that's what Sam's saying here
2: describe a system queue that I think would probably get there on a regulatory context without that company taking any PII, which I think is a little bit of a side point, except to say that, like, I, I think there's just a lot more nuance to this than, than what you're saying, right? Like, let's say that you had on-chain, um, you know, you you you, you had some K- people KYC'd for other purposes with some company. That company wrote out on-chain, this person's address is KYC, not saying anything else about them, other than that I have KYC'd them and give them a checkmark, and then this front-end only let addresses in that list interact with it, then, then this GUI is not taking any PII doing so right and, and, and again that's like a little bit of of an in the weeds point but like i think that's just like true of a lot of the things relevant to this gooey thing and um and so i i guess i just like think this is um in practice has a lot fewer of the downsides than usual. you do although i think it's has downsides like i'm still concerned about it. like I, i'm not
1: So Sam, just to take a higher level point, because you do think it still has downsides and you would prefer a system that didn't make this compromise. One question I think um, I'd have for you and maybe like Eric of the crypto community is also asking the same thing is like, um, so why are we being forced into this um, choice now? Like, so to use Eric's example from the 1990s, why not come back when our regulators understand DeFi a little bit better, when our market share and education around um, the U.S. populace or different jurisdictions around the world is a little bit stronger, people have seen the practical use cases. Why can't we um, sort of strive for the best and have regulation that goes into effect remain silent on? why?
0: Okay, well, that's kind of a stupid statement, and I'm sorry, Bankless, but like, I like you guys, but that that was a dumb statement. Why don't we just wait until they understand it better? Regulators are not gonna like take the time to really understand that better. That's abundantly clear. They have a million. Th- if you're talking about like like one thing, people don't understand why we even have lobbyists in the first place is because if you're a senator, okay, in the United States, there's a hundred of them, okay, and they're like p- tasked with making all the laws for all the land, or at least at a federal level, and there's so many industries and people and social problems and international problems that they have to like know about that it's impossible for them to have like a really detailed understanding about every single little thing and so like one of the reasons lobbying exists whatever your thoughts on lobbying are doesn't mean there's no corruption there certainly is is like well you need people from those industries to educate the lawmakers Right. In the same way that like, yeah, we need people from crypto to go educate the lawmakers on how to write the laws. Because they're not gonna like know all the nuances of crypto. Just like they don't know. You think like Ted Cruz or fucking Nancy Pelosi? She's a congresswoman, but uh, uh, uh rep. But same thing. You get my point. Like, you think they know all the nuances of like corn agriculture and also all the nuances of encryption technology and all the nuances of like how our banking system works? No, of course not. Like, they need people to help them, and 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 that's no different with crypto. So like, no, you can't just wait for them to learn more about it. They're just going to, because the other part is like, crypto has such bad PR with all these scams and all this stuff that happens and people losing their money. And like, if you go ask the average person on the street, like, do you think crypto is a scam? Like, I guarantee you more than half of them will be like, oh yeah, it's definitely a scam. Like, yeah, pump and dump, whatever, whatever. Right. So no. And like, that's who these, 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 lawmakers are going to respond to is their constituents like complaining or they're hearing about people like losing money. And they're like, we need to, we need to stop these scammers. And even if it's for a stupid political PR victory that they're like, we took down these scammers and it doesn't really do anything. They don't care, right? They don't care about hurting an industry if it makes them look good. So no, you can't leave it up to the lawmakers to come to you. You've got to go to them. All right. Isn't it enough to just Sam, let me host your next debate, okay? Hit me up, dog. Do the CFI regulation. Why do we have to? Um, why are we forced into this position
1: of um, terrible compromise? If what we want is the outcome where we don't have to make this user interface compromise.
2: So I don't think I'm arguing for us to try to make that happen. Like, like I, I think that's misrepresenting pretty grossly what my position is, and I, and I feel like I never said that, and I feel like that I, I don't know. Like, what I've said is that, like. Empirically, it might turn out to be the case that this is true. And I have implied that, it, that that might be a compromise that we live with, but I'm not saying that we should make that happen. And I, I think that like, I'm not saying that that's the thing that CCPA does. Um, you know, I, I think that like, I, um, I'm not saying that we go and make it our priority to make that happen. I, like those I think would be probably not the right tactics. Um, I think what I am saying is that, you know, when asked by a regulator, would I think that that was appropriate? I think what I would say is that the most important thing was to keep, um, I, smart contracts validators payments decentralized, and that like, if that if that did mean that like, you know, essentially a super front by American targeting American retail had to be licensed, um, I think that could be reasonable. I I think that that's like a little bit of a different statement. Which Sam, is if we, um, it, um,
1: sorry, I I don't mean to cut you off here, but if the question was, let's let's acknowledge that the email protocol will be permissionless as a protocol, but every email front-end requires licensure and KYC so that we can make sure no one's sending communications with terrorists. What, where would your position on that question be?
2: So, okay, so first of all, um, I think that's not quite the right uh, comparable. I think that sounds more like payments to me than- No, we're
1: we're just talking about emails here, right? Like the sending of messages across the web if the well, protocol was going to be immutable and no one would have to put any yep. sort of censorship in the protocol of email. Yep. But it was the law of the land in America that every email front end provider required KYC from its users. Yep. Because under the justification that we do not want people sending information back and forth to terrorists. Yep. Where would you so, stand on that position?
2: Oh, I'd be strongly against that position. I, think it'd, be, I think it'd be. Why? Why would I be against it? Because I think that it, I think it'd be like against freedom of speech. I think it'd be disenfranchising a lot of people. I think I would not yes. trust in practice that it would do a good job of sorting people. I think that like, the just the gains from it are relatively small and the risks of it are massive. And yes. I think it would also just introduce a ton of friction everywhere. So I agree with you on all of that. Okay. Um, um, I think that like, and sorry, this is, Why I, is I, don't different? How, I don't know how compelling you're going to find this. One thing I will say is that like, I'm making a distinction here between, for instance, payments versus like, derivatives contracts and that like it's email feels to me more like payments. So I, I think that like, you know, it, well, it's weird cause I'm not sure exactly what the equivalent of derivatives contracts is in the email paradigm, um, or there's the like, you know, messaging paradigm or something. Um, but like, you know, I, I think that like, that, that is one of the reasons that I do think that'd be very important, um, about a world in which we ended up with like you know every payment ever being permissioned. I think that would be crazy and untenable. Um,
0: I- okay, I'm gonna stop it there. That was the clip that went viral, and uh, someone on Twitter put it to like the Curb theme music at the end, where it's like, oh, that that was his, that was Eric's gotcha moment of saying, well, email is open and permissionless. Imagine if you had to like KYC to use email, or you had to like have a license to operate uh, an Evo provider. And they were tracking all the communications between all of email. Okay, here's why it's not the same, and here's why Sam is kind of getting to that when he says like it feels that feels more like payments than derivatives contracts. And he's saying like that's that's not a good comparison. Saying why is why isn't email regulated and uh, financial instruments are because if an email operator messes up the loss is minimal if a financial institution messes up or runs away with your money you're fucked that's the difference that that they can they can steal your money like that's a huge difference like yeah obviously there's information within emails that can be compromising but for most people it's not and the idea that like email and money are the same it's not it's, it's just not. Money and information are not the same thing. I know that people will say that, but that's not true, right? Money has a store of value component to it, whereas information does not. That's a huge difference, and it's such a bad comparison, and I can't believe Sam didn't go harder against that comparison. I think it's just it's just – it's apples and oranges. It's, it's, it's just bad. It doesn't make any sense. Like, I get what he's saying and like, oh, what if, you know, back then we did that? I agree. And I agree with what Sam said. That would be a violation of freedom of speech in the same way that like, like you can't just tap people's phone calls without a warrant, right? You can't get access to people's emails without a warrant either. But it's a very different thing to say that we need to have licensed operators for financial front ends where the risk is those people could find ways to steal money, right, if they were anonymous and get away with it much more easily than if they were licensed and the government knew who was operating those front ends. That's the difference, right? So to say those same things, it's like the risk is just lower. Like I don't understand what's so complicated about this. And again, like this is just a case where I think, frankly, I think Eric just was like, it's just a better debater. I don't know if Eric has done all I know Eric. I've seen Eric do like debates in the past uh, when I first got into crypto like in 2017 or whatever. But I think maybe Eric is just a better debater than Sam because Sam should have just said, that's a stupid comparison. That's your answer. And here's why. But he didn't do that. Anyways, I'm going to wrap it up here because it's kind of going in circles at this point of like idealism is great. But you have to be pragmatic. You have to. There's the world you want to live in and there's a world we actually live in. And maybe I think with a crypto-enabled future, we can move towards the world we want to live in. But that's not a reality right now. And the reality is that within the next few years, if not even sooner, they are going to crack down. And so it's a matter of are we going to soften the blow that they're going to try to give to us? Or are we just going to say, no, we're idealists and any type of regulation is complete failure? That's up for you to decide. Those are my thoughts. Uh, again, I, I wish Sam had gone a little harder. I think Sam was more in the right here. I think uh, a lot of people in crypto are very upset with Sam. Um, rightly or wrongly, again, I think a lot of it's, – it's, it's very uh, hypocritical of traders to call Sam – uh, a villain when he's just better at taking people's money than they are if we're just being real here. So anyways, those are my thoughts. I'm sure a lot of you are going to be upset with me for this, but Hey, I, I wanted to put it out there. And, uh, you know, if Sam and Eric want to host another round two and I'll moderate and I'll, I'll make both sides clarify their opinions a little better and avoid uh straw man's then I would happily do so. All right. I'm going to wrap up the podcast here. I was going to cover a few more things, but I'm already going longer than I thought on this point. And I think this was kind of a, a good conversation to have anyway. So let me know your thoughts. I mean, I'm very open to hearing what people have to say and tell me why you think I'm wrong. Um, if you think that there is a way that we can get through this the ideological way. I would love to hear it. I just don't personally think it's practical. I think you have to, unfortunately, sometimes look at things through the Machiavellian lens, even if it's not the the thing that makes you feel warm and fuzzy. It's, it's the thing that works. And politics is Machiavellian. And I think that's what Sam is trying to say. Uh, so anyways, guys, thanks for watching or listening. I will see you next time.